a journey in faith. Joshua chapter 22. You're like, Brian, we have fast-forwarded through Joshua. We're not at the end of the sermon yet. Joshua chapter 22. Let me read for us the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 22. At that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half a tribe of Manasseh. And he said to them, you have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days, down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways and to keep His commandments and to cling to Him and to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. Now, to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan. But to the other half, Joshua had given a possession beside their brothers in the land west of the Jordan. And when Joshua sent them away to their homes and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your tents with much wealth and with very much livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and with much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. So the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned home, parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead to their own land in which they had possessed themselves by the command of the Lord through Moses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. Father, I pray for every man in this building that is hearing this message. Father, I pray for their wives. I pray for every woman in this place, every boy and every girl. Father, that we could say, as we just sang, we sang the words, but Father, that we could say those words and mean it, that all I have is Christ. That you, Lord, you are our life. Father, that is a true statement. You are life, 
You brought life. You have given us life. And those that have never bowed the knee, those that have never experienced you, those that have never confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, they are not alive. Father, you state that they are perishing. But for those of us who have done that, God, that we will pass from this life to the next life and live eternally with you. God, I pray, Lord, there may be those that are in this place at this moment that have never, never known you as their father. Never accepted you as their Savior and their Lord. Lord, would you take the scales off of their eyes? Father, would you allow their ears to hear, their eyes to see? Spiritually. Father, for us this morning, as we look at this passage, God, that we would see that there is rest in obedience. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. This this morning, uh, I was thinking about this sermon, and I actually uh, rewrote the sermon this morning, took out a point for you, you're welcome, maybe, but I was thinking about my week, and you know, I stood in front of about 30 people this week, and I said some words, about 20, maybe 25 minutes. And I've said the words that I stated to this family and a group of friends. It was a memorial service, a funeral that I was doing for a family that doesn't have a church home. And so uh, I told, you don't know this, but uh, you know, Hernando Funeral Home needs somebody to come to a funeral. They want a pastor. I, I will go and share the gospel. And so I had the opportunity to do that. Uh, with a family, a man who had served in the military 27 years in the Navy. And as I stood up at first, I I stated some words that, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 times I've said, and I know attending other funerals, people have said them. Uh, I stated something to the effect of, he was born on May the 23rd, 1939. And he entered into rest, November the 4th, 2014. He entered into rest. How is it that a person enters into rest? I believe that this passage or the book of Joshua that we're going to look at, the portions of Joshua that we're going to look at, gives us two examples that in the midst of obedience, when when you and I are obeying the word of the Lord, when, when we're doing that, we're putting feet 
to our faith every single day and we are walking that out, it shows us and enters us into rest. Two examples of this, I believe, are found in this passage and also we will start back in Joshua chapter 14. One of my favorite passages in the book, in Joshua chapter 14, we see what happens in verse number 6 down through the end of the chapter, verse 15, as we see Caleb going up on the mountain and whipping, or as you might say, whooping a couple of giants. Look there, and uh, the verses will be on the screen. Here's this first example, obedience, reward. Its reward brings fulfillment to your soul. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely... The land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness and now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength is now, excuse me, now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Listen to what Joshua said. Then Joshua blessed him. Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb. To this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. I love what Joshua left for us at the end of this verse. He says, Arba. Why it was named Kiriath Arba is because Arba was the greatest man among the giants. And then he says, and the land had rest from war. 
Obedience reward brings fulfillment to a soul, to your soul. Just as it did there with Caleb. Can you walk with him for just a moment? There was a day when Caleb and Joshua and ten other men stood in front of Moses and all of Israel. And as they stood there, they gave a report of what they had found in the land of Canaan, in Israel. And as they were standing there, ten of them came back and said, Oh man, the land was great. There was so much fruit. There was so much honey. There was so much... uh, It was flowing with milk and it was flowing with honey. And everything was great. But... There were some giants in the land. There were some people in this land, and I mean, they were everywhere, and those giants, they made us look as if we were grasshoppers. And there is no way possible for us, lowly Israelites, to conquer that land. And Joshua and Caleb, they stood up and they said, no, 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 we must obey God. God has promised this. It will come about. He is faithful to do it. Y'all don't follow them. Follow us. Follow what the Lord has. And the ten persuaded Israel. And as they persuaded Israel, 40 years They spent wandering in the wilderness. A whole generation, everyone outside of Joshua and outside of Caleb, every single person that was 20 years of age and older died in the wilderness. And now some 45 years later, Joshua and Caleb are standing having a conversation. And I can just imagine two friends. They said, you remember that? That that was a high mark. That that was a moment in my life where you remember the conversation. The conversation went like this. And he just spilled it out and said, yeah, Caleb, I remember. I remember what you said and I remember what Moses said back to you. And here's your reward. Obedience and the reward that comes from it brings Fulfillment to your soul. What a reward. Only a warrior would want this reward. I mean, most of us here, most of us would want a place. Yes, we might want the hill country. We might want to be overlooking a number of valleys. But we don't want the giants still living there. Not Caleb. Caleb, man, yeah, give me that place. Give me Hebron. Give me Kiriath Arba, the place that has the largest giant. Because I'm as strong today at 85 as I was at 40. Really? Yeah. I've got enough strength to go out. I've got enough strength to war. I've got enough strength to come in. I am as strong today. Give me my reward. So here's your reward. This fulfilled Caleb's life. He lived out his days in rest when he received Hebron. 
And the land had rest from war. The, the reward of your obedience is exampled here from Caleb, here from the children of Israel. Four decades earlier, he was given a spot of land that was dear and near to him, and now he has rest. Do you know that God's promised you something? Now, it's not necessarily a hillside villa. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 8. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. You say, those are some big terms, Brian. Yes, they are. Let me tell you what that one term, predestined, means. It means for those of us who are saved, who are children of God, God has predetermined the outcome of your life, the outcome of your existence for all eternity. Here is what he has predetermined for you ladies and for us men. For those who know Christ, he says this, you predetermined will look like Christ. That's the outcome. And if you look in your spiritual mirror today and you look at yourself and you say, wow, i got a long way to go. Exactly, we do. We have a long way to go, but the outcome is that you one day, that I one day will look like Christ. Predetermined, predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He... Christ might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined to look like him at the end, he called. And those that he called, he justified. And those that he justified, he glorified. God also stated to those of us who are his children. He says, you know what? I've begun this work in you, Philippians 1.6. I've begun this work in you and I will bring it to completion even to the day of Jesus Christ. You and I know what we need to be about. Caleb knew what he needed to be about. It took him 45 years to get back to that moment. It took him 45 years to get back to that place. But he knew the marching orders of the Lord and he obeyed. And because he obeyed, there was his reward. And there was his rest. For you and for me, I'm telling you, it is not rocket science. You and I need to get in his word You and I need to understand his word. We need to understand it in the context in which it was written. And then we need to just live it out day after day after day, moment after moment. So that as we build upon those moments and those days, guess what? We're walking with him and we hear his heart. And he says, you know what, Brian? You need to go over there and you need to talk to that person. Lord, I really don't want to talk. You need to go over there and talk to that person. I'm preparing their heart just like I'm preparing your heart. They need to hear from me and it's now this time. Go do it. You and I need to get into his word. 
and take these small steps forward of obedience. We need to take them in our thoughts. We need to take them in our words. And we need to take them in our actions. Why? For by grace, you and you and you and me and all of us, for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing. It's not your own works. It is the gift of God. So that no one may boast. You and I are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. He loves you. And he's changing you. He's changing you to be like Him. And the reward of obedience, its reward is fulfillment to your soul. If you look at Joshua chapter 15, Joshua chapter 16, chapter 17, chapter 18, chapter 19, all of these passages... Even into chapter 20. All of it is laying out this section of Israel or that section of Israel for this tribe of Israel or that tribe of Israel. It is just um, doling out, so to speak, all their inheritance. He said, all right, Ephraim, you're going to be over here. And you've got this city, this city, this city, and this city. You go over there. And they go over there. Judah, you've got this city and this city and this city, all of this area. Dan, you've got all of this area. Issachar, you've got all of this area. The whole land was divvied up. Here's your inheritance. And so they go and they enter their rest. Second point that I had uh, came out of chapter 20 and it spoke of the cities of refuge. But we will speak of that at a little later date. And so I want us to get back to chapter 22 because here is the end of the message. And something that I think so desperate. An example that you and I need to be aware of. Obedience is witness. The witness of obedience is clear in the end. I read for us the first nine verses where it showed us the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh had done everything that Moses had told them that they had to do, had done everything that Joshua had told them they had to do. And Joshua said, hey, you three, you two and a half tribes, you go back on the other side of the Jordan to the land that God gave you, and you give all those spoils, you divvy them up to your brothers, and you live there. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And so they go. But that's not exactly the end of the story. When they came to the region, verse 10 states, when they came to the region of the Jordan that is in the land of Canaan, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they built there an altar by the Jordan. An altar of imposing size. And the people of Israel heard about it. And here's what they said. 
Behold, the, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and half tribe of Manasseh, they built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, the whole assembly of the people of Israel, they gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Here's the story. These two and a half tribes are about to cross over the Jordan and they are about to go back to the other side of the Jordan to the land of their inheritance and their fear. Their fear is this. I will never see my brother. I will never see my cousin. I will never see my tribe. I will never see my family again. And they will forget about us. And one day they're going to come to this place. And they're going to say, those people on the other side of the river, they're not of us. So therefore we are going to destroy them. They were prophets. It didn't take but a day. It didn't take a week. As soon as they built this... They, the whole tribe, the other tribes of Israel saw this and they're like, what in the world are these people doing? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to destroy them because they're not of us. Have, have you ever found yourself obeying? Have you ever found yourself obeying something? And everybody around you is like, Brian, you are crazy. Why in the world would you do this? Why would you do that? that that's, that's the dumbest thing I have ever heard in my life. There is no sense in it whatsoever. Ma'am, sir, maybe you don't have the whole word. Maybe you weren't in my prayer closet and in the word as I was in the word and saw how God was weaving that from this day and this day and this day and this month and this month, even this year and this year, and he has now shown me that is the next step. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, there is. I, logically, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm just telling you this is what God is saying and this is what I'm going to do. Obedience, the witness of it, in the end will become clear. There is a posse formed from the nine and a half tribes on the west side of the Jordan. And they go to those on the east side of the Jordan and they say, why in the world did you do this? Are you trying to break from us? Are, are you trying to say, all right, we don't have to come to your place to worship? Are you trying to worship there? No, this altar was not... Um, Erected, it was not built so that we could have burnt offerings or whole burnt offerings there. It was built so that one day when your kids walking by that, you look at it and, you, and they say, why in the world is that there, Daddy? Hey, Granddad, why in the world is that there? They say, it's because we've got some cousins and you've got some cousins on the other side of that river that are a part of your family. And you need to be reminded of that. They helped you. They helped us have this section of land. And we don't need to be forgetting about them. They are a part of the family. They are sons of Jacob. They are sons of Abraham. Just like you are a son of Abraham. And therefore they are family. And when 
the posse who was sent on the other side of the Jordan heard that and they brought it back to the people of Israel on the west side of the Jordan. They said, that right there is awesome. That's exactly what should have happened. When you and I obey... And there's misunderstanding as to what you are doing or what I am doing. When there's misunderstanding and it's not clear, you and I want it to be clear right now. We want it to be clear to ourselves first. Then we want it to be clear to those closest to us, our, our spouses, our family, those that, you know, we're our friends. And then, then we just want it to be clear to everybody around. This witness in Joshua chapter 2, 22, in these verses, in the end, you and I need to understand it will be clear. It might not be clear on your timetable or on my timetable, but it is clear on God's timetable. And all he desires for you to do and for me to do, obey. Just obey. Take the next step. You say, Brian, I don't know what that step is. Well, Maybe it's that you need to go back to the step that he told you before. You say, what is that? Good question. What is that? Brian, that was six months ago. Fall on your face. Lord, remind me what it was. Brian, that was six years ago. Fall on your face. My case? Brian, that, that was six minutes ago. Fall on your face. Figure out what it is. Do that. Logical or illogical, obey. And the witness that will come from that will be made clear. I'm sure that David found himself there many days as Saul chased him. As he recorded the words in Psalm 26, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes and I walk in your faithfulness. Or if maybe it was in Psalm 54 as some of those that were close to him went and told Saul, here's where he is. Come and get him. Oh God, save me. Psalm 54 1 says, save me by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth for strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. Think about that. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. I'm sure that Paul thought of it many days as the leather strap was hitting his back, as the stones hit him, as he was mocked, as he was imprisoned, as he was thrown out of this town or thrown out of that town. I'm sure that Jesus... The one who never sinned, yet he was crucified, all because he obeyed. So what happened? What happened in this passage is the same thing that I desire 
to happen in my life than desired to happen in your life. Even when they were misunderstood, they continued to walk in obedience. The witness will become clear in the end. I close with this story. It's found in a biography that is written of him. And George Mueller was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. When he got saved, he had five friends. Five friends that he ran around with every single day as children and as youth. And he got saved. God changed his life. And he started praying for those five friends. Within a year, one of those friends got saved. Within two years, two of them. So two out of the five had been saved. It took another six years for that third friend to get saved. They're now in their 20s. Mueller died at the age of 87. 87. He was saved 10 or 11 years of age. And he prayed every single day for two of his friends. Some 75 plus years. He died. One of those friends, the year that he died, came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And that fifth one, two years after he died. After Mueller died, he came to know Jesus. Why do I tell you that? In the end, Mueller's obedience, that witness that it sent out for all those years, 75 years, he prayed every single day for this friend and for that friend. In the end, it was clear. Some of you, I mean, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to talk about me, okay? Sometimes I. Pray six days for something. Oh, Lord, there's no way that you're going to do that. I know I prayed for it for six days, but there's no way that that's going to happen, so I'm just going to pray about something else. Some of us pray six months. Maybe we pray six years, and then we think, they're too far gone, Lord. Stay with That witness, in the end, it will be made clear. Heavenly Father, Lord, the passage this morning, the examples that are given about obedience, the examples that are given for my life, Lord, for our lives. Father, let us know that there is a reward. God, that you have that reward out there for us. And it is rest. Father, that rest may not come for decades. But Father, it will be ours forever and ever and ever. So might I continue to walk in obedience. Might we continue to walk in obedience. Because there is a great reward. Father, might we stay true to your word. Whatever you're calling us to. 
God, if, if it's something that people are looking around and say, yeah, that's exactly what needs to happen. Or if it's something that is totally off the wall. God, if you're calling us to it. Father, I pray that I would walk in obedience. Father, that this, your body, your church would walk in obedience. Because we know that in the end, we will look like you. We know that in the end, it will be made clear. So, Father, might we stand this morning. And might we confess with our mouth afresh and anew, Lord, I will follow you. Lord, I bow my knee. Lord, I confess that you are Savior and Lord of my life. Afresh and anew, I come to you. God, speak. Show me the next step. Show me the direction that you would have for me to go. If it's 180 degrees away from the direction I'm going right now, Father, might we obey? Ma'am and sir, this morning, this invitation is for you. It's for nobody else. It is a time for you to respond to the Father. Don't look to your right or left, behind you or in front of you. You respond to the Father this morning. He is faithful. He is faithful to finish the work that He has begun in you. He is faithful. Let's stand and let's sing of that faithfulness. Let's stand and respond this morning.